Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. It's good to be back and to be teaching Torah again here in the shul. Ishtabach Shemo. Breakfast is sponsored, loving memory of Faraj Shamash. Allah Shalom, Nirunishmat, Abraham ben Zahzi, Zahazi, and Yosef. Allah Shalom, sponsored by your son Amir Shamash. As well, it's sponsored in loving memory of Nathan Marcus, Allah Shalom, Nirunishmat, Natan ben Rahel. Allah Shalom, sponsored by the Marcus family. And as well, breakfast is sponsored, loving memory of Barry Sit. Allah Shalom, Leiluin Nishmat, Ovadia ben Esther. Allah Shalom, sponsored by his son, David Sit. The Pasuk says, Wishmartem et Hukotai, Vet Mishmatai, Asheya Ase Utamha Adam, Vehaibahem. And you shall guard my Hukim, the mitzvot that I command you to do, just because I said you should do them. Uh, without you understanding necessarily why you're supposed to admit mishpatai and as well my mishpatim asher ya'aseotam adam and as well the mishpatim the mitzvot that a person uh, does understand that a person asher ya'aseotam adam that a a man will do them or a human being will do them vehai bahem ani hashem and you will live through them ani hashem I am Hashem uh, at the, uh, the the one that was as Chazal always tell us. The one that is Ne'eman Lishalem, trusted to pay good reward to those that do the misvot, and as well to have just recompense from those who ignore its commandments. Now, I found something very interesting in this pasuk. This commandment, V'chai Bahim, is a pasuk in the Torah. Effectively, it's telling you that you should do all the mitzvot of Torah and live with them. Now, there's many interpretations of this word, but I think that all of them, they... Uh, provide us with different sides of, this, of, a, of a similar concept, all of which are necessary and vital to be able to create this ha-adam. Whenever you have the letter he in front of a word, the letter he is called the he ha So as an example, there's a difference between saying, I am a man and I am the man. A man is not an egoistic uh, expression of uh, self-value. It's just noting the fact that if I'm saying I'm the man, it indicates that this is the person that is selected. So when we say ha-adam, you want to know what creates the man. In other words, the ideal specimen of a human being. You will guard my, my statutes and my commandments. When you guard all these mitzvot, that creates the ideal human. It's a recipe to be able to create a human being who's functioning firing on all cylinders and is, uh, is expressing his humanity in the most beautiful of ways. But there's something fascinating about these words. And a person who does all of this and he shall live in them. There are two ways of understanding this. And I, I first want to go with the halachic way. Rabbi Akiva is Doresh, these words. And he says that the words don't only mean they're not a statement and you shall live in them, but rather they're a qualifying feature. And what that means is with you, when you a person does all the mitzvot and he's fulfilling whichever mitzvah he does, the prerequisite for doing that mitzvah is that at the end of the mitzvah, the haibahim is still alive. If the mitzvah is costing him his life, he doesn't fulfill it. Where's the example of this? Rabbi Akiva famously argued with Ben Petora. The case was a per, two people are in the desert, and one of them has a kiton shel a flask of water. 
They're a distance away from uh, civilization. They can't get there before dying of thirst. What should they do? Ben Petora says, they should share the water. The guy who's got the water should share it with his friend. He should not see the death of his friend. What did Ben Petora just do? He signed the death certificate for both of them. One of them was going to die for sure, but now both of them are going to die. Rabbi Akiva says, no. No, when you know that. Scenario when you're a day's travel away, you don't have any water, there's no access anywhere, middle of the desert, simple as. Sorry? Of course, bitahon. And you know what? And they're supposed to have bitahon. But at the same time, when I'm making this decision, I have to make the decision. Like as an example, we say a person should have bitahon even when there's a sword on his neck. That doesn't mean you go around chopping people's heads off. Hoping, right, exactly. So in this situation, Ben Pitora says, you can't say, I'm going to drink the water all myself because you're causing the guy to die. Meanwhile, now, you know, you share it and you... Which means that sharing the water in this instance is not a mitzvah I have an obligation to do. Why? Because I have a commandment to keep myself alive. That's a commandment. That's how Rabbi Akiva understood it. Okay. Now, once we see that idea, so now we know that aside from the big three Averot, where we know that there's a special exclusion from this uh, clause, in every single mitzvah, a person's only supposed to do it if it will not impinge, if it will not kill him. Clear? So as an example, let's say on Shabbat, a person experiences, they have a, you know, they, they hit in the an artery, and they decide, you know what, I'm not going to get in a car and drive to the hospital, I'm going to walk. Asur, not only is he not going to get reward for not breaking Shabbat, he's going to be punished in Shamaim because his responsibility in that moment was to break Shabbat. Because he has a commandment, Vehaibahim, that overrides. My rabbi explained that the words Vehaibahim are quite tricky because they don't only mean that a person, if he's going to live or die, has to choose to live other than three big Averot. But rather, that the word v'hayi also indicates A, a quality of life, and B, also it indicates a, that the person's, there's a preference to my life over another's. So one more time, let's look at the case. Rabbi Akiva said that if it's me or him, v'hayi Now he also is supposed to live. But the point is that my responsibility to my own well-being supersedes my responsibility to your well-being. Everybody's primary obligation. The way my rabbi explained it is, there's a halakha in the mitzvot of tzedakah, which tell us, if I could give money to an ani in another place, or I could give money to ani that's right in my environment. If I have a family member that's struggling, who's my first responsibility to give the money to? Family member. You can't uh, go build a yeshiva when your own family member can't, can't afford to put the food on the table. You have a responsibility. In fact, there's a whole machlok in Rishonim. If a person's family member can take them to Bet Din to say, I have needs, Sadaqa needs, this guy's giving it to somebody else, can Bet Din force him to give his money, his Sadaqa to this guy? Big question, okay? There's an even bigger question. What if the guy goes in and he grabs the money? Because he knows the guy owes money to Sadaqa. And he knows the guy is not going to choose him as the destination of that tzedakah. 
So is he allowed to go and grab the money? Fascinating halachic dispute, okay? And what happens in such a case? However, for the sake of today's talk, what I want to illustrate is, aside from the idea of the meaning you should live and not die, your responsibility for your, the one that's close to you, your family, someone from your town, supersedes someone further away because our responsibility begins closest to ourselves. Of course, the highest form of that is not a person who's close to themselves, but their actual selves. Therefore, if the halakha, if a person sees a lost object floating in the water, and his own lost object is also floating in the water, and they're both in tandem going towards a waterfall. The guy, he's swimming, he could swim and catch one of them only. Which one does he save, halakha? His own. Hayecha kodmin. Where do we learn Hayecha kodmin? Your life comes first from the pasuk v'chayvehem. Now, this is not a matter of life or death. Is this clear? It's not a matter of life or death. So there's multiple layers of this word v'chayvehem. One is you can't die. The second one is your life comes before someone else's, which means I have to worry about my own aveda, my own lost object, before I worry about somebody else's. That halacha is true about a person's belongings, it's true about his life, but it's also true about his emotional well-being and his own stress. My rabbi used to say, you have people who listen to people's problems all day, eventually they turn into bitter and cynical people themselves because they can't, they're burnt out, they listen to too much. My rabbi used to say, you're not going to Gan Eden for taking on everybody's problems, you're going to Gehenem because you absconded you obviated the very first uh, uh, mitzvah that you had in this scenario, which was yourself. You're not allowed to burn yourself out, destroy yourself. You can't do that even at the altar of somebody else. It's a good question. Son, what about son? What about wife? Because is a wife the person's own self? These are good questions, and we need time individually to unravel each one of those threads. However, at least on a simple level, it means the person himself has to come first. Now, I think that this is a, it's a, it's such an interesting thing, because there are people sometimes when you hear those words that you have to come first, what they hear is something selfish. That's not selfish. Stephen Covey wrote a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he has a little section over there where he talks about the golden goose. Imagine someone's got an, a, a goose and it, every day it lays a golden egg. So what does the guy do? The golden egg, fantastic, this business. So every day he pushes the goose, he's squeezing it, trying to get more eggs out of it. And you know, every once in a while he gets out a couple extra eggs, but the goose is now exhausted. And eventually, one morning he wakes up, he thinks that he's run the goose, he's, a, he's got the, the best item in history, and he's squeezing it and pushing it and trying to feed it all sorts of things in order to make it fast, and the goose's body breaks down, and the next morning he wakes up, not with two eggs, but with a dead goose. The first thing a person has to realize is, all of Torah is predicated on a person feeling alive, a person having blood flowing through his veins, feeling like he can produce, like he can give, like he can achieve. If the person doesn't feel that way, then they're not going to do anything. So therefore the pasuk, if you hear it now, you hear the words differently. Ushmartem, guard my hukot, guard my mishpatim, the ones that I commanded you. 
The, the ones that make you into ha'adam, that make you feel like you're the man. Not in a selfish way, not in an egoistic way. Rather, v'haybahem, a person needs to feel alive in them. Now this idea, v'haybahem, it illust- it's been illustrated in the last few halachic uh, ramifications with regards to what you should and shouldn't do. Don't push yourself too much, don't risk your life. But however, there's also a positive side of that. Because you know what? One might say, you push yourself, oh, you know, I'll never push myself. Think of an athlete for a second. You know how an athlete runs a marathon? By every day, building up, running more and more and more. Could you imagine someone saying to themselves, look, if I want to run a marathon, I have to rest. I'm never going to run. The morning of the marathon will be the first time I've ever run 26 miles. What a dip. You think you rested? You think that made you more ready for the race? That made you less ready for the race? What a person needs to do is always push themselves but not to the point where they no longer feel alive, electrified, that it's, uh, uh, that it's connected. I remember once a line, I actually changed my phone at the time that when I turned it on, it would it display on the screen. It's the words from Rabbi Shlomo Freifeld. Rabbi Freifeld said that a person has an obligation to emulate God. And a lot of times we think, what does that mean? It means, like the Gemara says, that God is kind, you should be kind. God dresses the naked, you should dress the naked. God buries the dead, you should bury the dead. God uh, heals the sick, you should heal the sick. And that is the Gemara Mefureshet, where the Gemara describes However, there's something else here as well. Rabbi Shlomo Freifeld says it means that a person should emulate God in everything that God is described as doing. And he says, and every day we say in Tefillah, God, you bring life to everyone and the, the myriads, the heavenly uh, legions, they bow to you. You bring life to all of them. Said Rav Shlomo Freifeld, our responsibility is to bring life to people. Now, when you think about giving a guy some food in his mouth, you bring him to life, that's true. But by and large, we're not dealing with people who don't have food. But we're dealing with a lot of people who are zombies. Who they go through the motions, they're, hot, they're tired, you see the marks on their faces, they're destroyed, they're defeated. You want to be like God, bring life to people's lives. Make them feel excited about themselves, about their marriage, about their children. Get, just inject a little bit of that energy into them. So he said, if that's what God does, that's what we have to do. And my phone, every time I turned it on, that's what I would see. And you have an obligation to enliven, to excite, to energize everybody you come into. Ask yourself before you have a conversation with someone, what can I say to this person to bring that sparkle into their eye? What a difference it would make if that's how we saw ourselves. To energize each and every, and every one of us. And I think that's the end of the Pasuk. And the heavenly legions, the, or the tens of thousands, millions of angels, they bowed to God. Why are they bowing to God? Because God is their source of life. And you know what I learned from that? Even angels need compliments. Even angels need someone to bring them to life. A lot of times you see the people and you think you only need to bring up the downtrodden. But the people who are doing well, nah, they don't need it. Look, they got a good business. They got children, they got grandchildren. I'm the one that needs support. I'm the one that needs to pick me up. Lies. 
You think rabbis don't need it? You think community leaders don't need it? You think CEOs don't need it? Give them a compliment, but don't do something or don't say something which is vacuous. Say something to them which will bring them to life. The thing that brings people to life more than anything else is if you can raise, if you can compliment, if you can show them the element about themselves that brings them the most to life and say to them how much and how valuable and how beautiful it is, that element of them that you see that they do. There's nothing like it. Baruch Adonai